The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. This is the London Visited podcast on your favorite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history, and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here, or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Steve, and welcome to our podcast. We're here for all things London, and to tell you more about some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we go back to Lords for part two of our three-part series, looking at the famous cricket ground just outside central London on the edge of Regent's Park, over at St John's Wood. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. Also, if you love the podcast and the channel, why not join us as a member? Join our group of what we like to call our London Visited Crown Jewels, where there are so many different benefits, including a members-only monthly podcast. Have a look by going to patreon.com forward slash London Visited. And now to this week's podcast. After the First World War, first-class cricket returned to Lords in 1919 with a series of two-day matches in the county championship. 1923 saw the installation of the Grace Gates, a tribute to W.G. Grace, who had died in 1915. They were inaugurated by Sir Stanley Jackson, who had suggested the inclusion of the words the great cricketer in the dedication. These gates were replaced with an earlier, less decorative entrance to the ground. With attendances growing in number, it was suggested that Lords aimed to accommodate crowds of up to 40,000 for test matches. However, the stands at the ground were considered inadequate, with the grandstand described as hopelessly out of date. To accommodate these crowds, the old grandstand was demolished and a new one was built in its place in 1926, designed by the architect Sir Herbert Baker. Completion of the stand was delayed due to the 1926 general strike. Upon its completion, Baker presented Lords with a weather vane, Father Time, removing the bells from a wicket, which was placed on top of the grandstand. The full weather vane is 6 foot 6 inches, 1.98 meters tall, with the figure of Father Time standing at 5 feet 4 inches, 1.63 meters. Baker further contributed to the landscape of Lords by designing the queue stand next to the pavilion in 1934. While at the nursery end stands were also erected, careful consideration was taken to preserve the tree line, dividing the main ground from the nursery ground. The West Indies, under the captaincy of Carl Nunes, played their first test match at Lords in 1928. The ground later hosted the first televised test match during the second test match of the 1938 Ashes series. The 1935 season saw the Lord's pitches badly affected by cranefly larvae, known as leather jackets. The larvae caused bold patches to appear in the playing surface and had to be removed by the ground staff, although spin bowlers did gain some benefit from the bare patches. In contrast to the First World War, Lord's was not requisitioned by the military during the Second World War. 
Lords hosted matches throughout the war from the London County's cricket team, amongst others, which attracted large crowds. The ground was spared major damage from the Blitz. An oil bomb landed in the nursery ground in 1948, with a high-explosive bomb also narrowly missing the nursery end stands in December of the same year. The grandstand and the pavilion were hit by incendiary bombs, damaging their roofs. The in-house Lord's firefighters reacted quickly and limited the damage. As the war progressed, the threat came not only from the Luftwaffe, but also from the newly developed V-1 flying bomb. Lord's had several near misses from these weapons in 1944, with one bomb landing 200 yards, 180 meters, short of the ground near to Regent's Park. The nursery ground had been requisitioned by the Royal Air Force and converted into a barrage balloon site. The most high-profile damage during the war was that to Father Time, which was damaged by one single such balloon, which had broken loose and drifted towards the grandstand, catching Father Time and depositing it into the seating area at the front of the stand. International cricket resumed at the end of the war, with Lords hosting one of the victory tests, though the matches did not actually have test status between the Australian Services cricket team and England. Following the end of the war, attendances at cricket matches grew. The gross attendance of 132,000 and the gate receipts of £43,000 for the second test of the 1948 Ashes series was a record for a test match in England at that time. This demand necessitated further expansion of the ground, with the construction of the Warner stand in 1958, which included snack bars and a press box. This stand was the work of the architect Kenneth Peacock and replaced an area of raised ground lined with trees from where it was traditionally from where it was traditionally possible to watch a match from the comfort of one's own carriage. Prior to the construction of the Warner stand, all stands at the ground were identified by letters of the alphabet. The record numbers of spectators who attended test and county championship matches began to decline by the end of the 1950s, and cricket in England found itself in a position from 2.2 million paid county championship spectators in 1947, dropping to 719,661 in 1963. To arrest this decline, List A One Day Cricket was introduced in 1963, with Lords hosting its first List A match in the 1963 Gillette Cup between Middlesex and Northamptonshire, and later hosted the final of the competition between Sussex and Worcestershire in front of a sellout 24,000 crowd. It was the first such final held anywhere in the world. The tavern and its adjoining buildings were demolished in 1968 to make way for the construction of the tavern stand, again designed by Peacock. The tavern was subsequently recited next to the Grace Gates and was complemented with a banqueting hall. Lords hosted its first one-day international, ODI, in 1972, with Australia defeating England by five wickets. Three years later, Lords hosted the final of the inaugural World Cup, with the West Indies triumphing over Australia. Four years later, Lords held the final of the 1979 World Cup, with the West Indies once again triumphing, this time against England. The first women's cricket match at Lords took place in August 1976, when England and Australia played a 60-over ODI, which England won by eight wickets. The opportunity to play a women's match at Lords resulted from a campaign by Rachel Hayhoe Flint and was given extra impetus by England's victory in the 1973 Women's Cricket World Cup. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience, 
doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. England had to wait another 11 years to play their second match at Lords. The ground hosted the final of the ICC's Women's Cricket World Cup in 1993, with England beating New Zealand to win the World Cup. The ground was not fully open for the game and only 5,000 spectators were able to attend. A new indoor cricket school was completed in 1973 at the nursery end, funded by £75,000 from Sir Jack Haywood and additional funds raised by the Lord's Taverners and the Sports Council. The West Indies appeared in their third successive World Cup final in 1983, but were defeated by 43 runs by India. The mound stand was demolished in 1985 to make way for a new stand, designed by Michael Hopkins and Partners, which opened in time for the MCC's bicentenary in 1987. That bicentenary was celebrated with a five-day match between MCC and the rest of the world team in August 1989, which ended in a draw after the final day was rained off. Graham Gooch made the first Test match triple century at Lords, scoring 333 against India in 1990. The final decade of the 20th century saw rapid redevelopment of Lords. The Compton and Edric stands were completed in 1991, having run over time and budget. The indoor school closed in 1994, owing to the construction of a new state-of-the-art indoor cricket centre, which opened in 1995. The old grandstand was demolished in 1996, with a replacement designed by Nicholas Grimshaw and Partners being completed in 1998. Since 1997, Lords has been home to the European Cricket Council, ECC, which administers cricket outside of the European four member nations. With Lords hosting three matches in the 1999 World Cup, including the final, the MCC set about improving press facilities by constructing the media centre at the nursery end between the Compton and the Edric stands offering commanding views towards the pavilion from over the bowler's arm. The media centre was opened in April 1999 by the then MCC president, Tony Lewis. Lords hosted its 100th test match in June 2000, with England defeating the West Indies by two wickets. The match was also notable for the 21 wickets which fell on the second day, the most afforded in a day at a test at Lords since 1888. The ground also hosted the university match over three days for the last time in 2000, after which the match alternated between Fellers at Cambridge and University Parks at Oxford. The fixture has continued at Lords since 2001 as a one-day limited over match. At the start of the 21st century, the Lords slope, which provides a benefit to both seam bowlers and swing bowlers from the pavilion and nursery ends respectively, was under threat of being levelled due to the advent of drop-in pitches. However, the MCC resisted these calls as levelling the pitch would require the rebuild of Lords and would mean Test cricket not being able to be played there for five years. The outfield was notorious for becoming waterlogged due to the clay soil, which resulted in considerable lost match time. The entire outfield was relayed in the winter of 2002, with the clay soil being replaced with sand, which has improved the drainage. 
Lords hosted its first 2020 match in the second edition of the 2020 Cup in 2004. In 2005, the International Cricket Council, formerly the Imperial Cricket Conference, headquarters, which had been located at Lords since its foundation in 1909, were closed and moved to the Dubai Sports City in the United Arab Emirates. Temporary floodlights were installed at the ground in 2007, but removed in 2008 after complaints of light pollution from local residents. In January 2009, Westminster City Council approved the use of new 48-metre-high retractable floodlights designed to minimise light spillage into nearby homes. Conditions of the approval included a five-year trial period, from which up to 12 matches and four practice matches could be played under the lights from April to September. The lights must be dimmed to half-strength at 9.50pm and then switched off by 11pm. The floodlights were first used successfully on the 27th of May 2009 during the 2020 Cup match between Middlesex and Kent. Two weeks after the first use of the floodlights, Lords hosted its first 2020 international in the World 2020 between England and the Netherlands, which resulted in a shock last ball win for the associate nation. Lords held the final of the competition between Pakistan and Sri Lanka, which Pakistan won by eight wickets. In 2008, Plans were drawn up by the MCC committee to fund the future £250 million development of the ground by constructing residential apartments and a luxury hotel along the Wellington Road and Grove End Road. The Lord's Master Plan was unveiled in 2013, which is a 20-year plan to redevelop the ground and improve its facilities. The first phase of the Master Plan involved the demolition of the replacement of the Warner Stand with a new stand, which was built between 2015 and 2017. The new stand has improved facilities for match officials and reduced the number of restricted view spectator seats from 600 to 100. Phase 2 of the master plan involved the demolition of the Compton and Edric stands in 2019, with their replacements being completed in 2021. These provided an extra 2,000 seats and for the first time were linked by a walkway bridge. Lords celebrated the 200th anniversary of its current ground in 2014. To mark the occasion, an MCC 11, captained by Sachin Tandolka, played a rest of the world 11, led by Shane Warne, in a 50-over match. Two matches of note were played at the ground in July 2019. The first of these was the 2019 World Cup final between England and New Zealand, which ended as a tie with both sides making 241 runs from their 50-overs. The final was then decided by a super-over, which also ended in a tie. Therefore, the winner was decided on the number of boundaries scored in the Super Over, with England scoring two boundaries to New Zealand's one. This was England's first World Cup triumph. A second match of note followed four days later, when Ireland played their first Test match at Lords, where they bowled England out for 85 on the first morning of the match. Despite this, in their second innings, Ireland were dismissed for 38, the lowest Test total at Lords, and lost the match by 143 runs. So, I hope you've enjoyed our second look at Lords, and we'll join us again next week when we'll do part three, where we'll look more detail into the grounds and its facilities, and also some of the history behind it as well. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, londonvisited.co.uk, or our social media. It really is that easy. Thanks for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed our podcast, and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye! Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. 
catch you soon on the next one.